Hello, all you crazy movie freaks. How's it going? Welcome to Dakota Boys Talk Movies. The guys who try to be the biggest movie freaks in the room, but probably never are, because all y'alls are crazy movie freaks. <laughs> so, but it's all good. That's why you're listening to the show, because like talk about movies, and apparently you're okay with listening to us talk about movies. And tonight, you're in for a triple threat, triple dose talk of movies, as we just kind of throw at you three movies... We kind of three other movies we saw this summer that we just want to touch on. Only one of the two of us saw these three movies, and so we're just going to kind of touch on them and just bring them up and the goods and bads type thing. So we're going to get right into it. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and start out. There was a couple, uh, whatever you want to call them, family movies, animated movies, kids movies, um, all three of those things that I saw this summer. I went to... Cars 3, and I saw that. I went to it with my two perfect demographic for the movie Boys. <laughs> I took them to the movie. Uh, all three of us pretty excited to see it because I think I've brought this up on the show in the past. I am actually a Cars apologist. I defend the other two <laughs> to say that they're pretty good movies. I actually don't mind Cars 2 as much as some other people. Yeah, it's kind of sillier in goofy and maybe a little too mater centric but i think it's still um an entertaining movie it just gets bad flack because we have high standards for pixar even though wally sucks and everybody thinks that's great (laughs) so double standard yeah (laughs) that being said uh i went to cars three and um it's pretty pretty good and 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 I I mean this from even the aspect of understanding that Cars 2 isn't that great. And so, I mean, I, I am, even though I'm a Cars apologist, I'm still a realist who's understanding that I get it. Cars 2 does have problems. But um, setting aside even some of my prejudices, just looking at Cars 3 as a movie, as a Pixar movie, as a kid's movie, it, it's it's a pretty good movie. It's... It's got a lot of good elements. They 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 dipped from a a well that has been good drinking water in the past, the Rocky Well. Um it's it's it kind of has that feel to it of of a of a man who's been beaten down and is attempting to 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 come back again and and kind of and kind of prove him prove himself and and show that there is more that he has to give and it kind of has that aspect of the story too with lightning mcqueen kind of realizing that he's the old guy in racing now he's no longer the young rookie but he's becoming the old guy there's this new this new generation of cars that are coming to racing that are just faster they're sleeker they're sexier and lightning is just starting to look like the old guy and in realizing that he kind of is and uh and he gets to a point where he pushes himself and and this was right in that first trailer where you see him just flipping down the track crashing and and that is what happens he pushes himself and realizes he didn't have what it takes but then this is where this is where the interesting pros movie comes into is that that doc hudson's spirit is kind of hanging over this movie where 
even though you know Paul Newman passed away and they had kind of Doc Hudson kind of do the same where he's gone now wherever cars go <laughs> the great smashing <laughs> thing in the sky the car uh, crusher in the, the sky the car crusher in the sky that 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 Doc Hudson spirit is still kind of hanging over the movie there where Lightning's looking back going I don't want to be like Doc I don't want to have this be the end where I go out knowing I could have given more and just end up kind of jaded and grumpy. And so he he attempts to train himself and come back into it. And that's kind of where a lot of the escapades of the movie come into play. It's him pushing into that and you're introduced to some new characters that help him along the way that maybe hinder him along the way and all those types of things. What I found interesting about this movie is that people who have played centric roles in the Cars universe in the past are pretty backseated in this movie, pun intended. <laughs> backseated. <laughs> and they're kind of just put on cruise control. <laughs> wow, again with the puns, man. <laughs> uh, the, and I'm talking uh, specifically about Sally, uh, Lightning's uh, uh, main squeeze. Um, there's no real car pun there, sorry. And in uh, Mater, the one who they decided to make the central character of Cars 2, to the chagrin of a lot of people, which is why I think he got backseated. But I was just surprised at how backseated he was. He was put in the backseat that faces backwards, like in those old station wagons where like the kids would sit in the backseat that faces backwards. That's almost where Mater was because they really kind of pushed him where he's not in this a whole lot. But you kind of forget about that because of the fact that uh, it's so... It's so focused on kind of continuing and resolving this this Lightning McQueen story. And so it, it really kind of ends up being almost like a years later sequel to the first Cars in that sense. Where in the first Cars, Lightning learns that he needs to have humility and grace and, and those types of things. And, and care, you know, about the people, or Cars around him and then you have this one where he's in kind of like the twilight years of his racing career and kind of going from there but uh that being said i there there's no like artistic achievements that happen with this movie you know where you know where pixar has hit these 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 points in the past you know like inside out where they spent all months making joy have that certain hazy glow to her or uh the way they made the ocean and finding Nemo and things like that. I wouldn't say this one has that like next level of artistic achievement for Pixar, but it still gave a really, a solid, a solid family movie right there in the midst of summer. And so that made it kind of a, kind of a fun little movie. And it was a perfect movie to take a five and, or excuse me, six and uh, eight year old too. So, Ah, good times with the family, eh? Good times with the fam. So, yeah. So, with that, I would say it, it's 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 definitely worth uh, worth a watch. Uh, you know, it's kind of like any kid's movie. I wouldn't say it has to be seen on the big screen or anything. You know, it was fun to take the family out to see a big screen movie together. And so, there was that aspect to it. Just that fun. And, and they had a good time and they really liked it. And so, uh, yeah, 
the fun little movie. Now I'll go into my other family movie I saw this summer. Uh, came out, I don't know, I think end of June, early July. Despicable Me 3, DM3, as those of us are calling it. Nobody calls it that. Maybe a hashtag. Hashtag DM3, hashtag minions, hashtag <laughs> greasy. Uh Hashtag here we go again. Hashtag this time it's personal. <laughs> so... Yeah, saw Despicable Three. This time, I saw it with my whole family, all four of the kids. The wife, uh, my wife, is a huge Despicable Me fan. Not so much a Minions movie fan, but Despicable Me fans. So she's excited to see it. And uh, this is just my thoughts on it, though. I thought it was a very adequate movie. <laughs> uh, it, Not much enthusiasm I, from uh, I, I, Stephen there, on that. Oh one. man, there were things in this that I thought were great. But overall, I didn't really like it as much as I liked the other ones. Um, maybe it'll grow on me in time. That's kind of how Despicable Me has been with me in the past. Is that it's? It, I don't know. It's just hard for me to take it in in one sitting and really. But like Despicable Me Two, I didn't think I liked that very much, and now I actually do like it. I like after a while, I kind of got it. I guess I don't know. And found the fun in it and in the heartwarming aspects. And maybe that'll happen in this one. But this one. What I loved about this movie was the introduction of Gru having a twin brother, Drew, and Steve Carell pulling off another ridiculous voice and seeming like it's its own character. It never seemed like it was just like Steve Carell doing these two voices, but you know they got Steve Carell is pretty gifted at what he does, and he was able to pull off these these two voices that seem like two distinct. Oh, Ga- related guys. So they weren't. He wasn't using the same voice for both. No. Oh, no. Drew had the same accent, and obviously was still Steve Carell. Really? But he did it at this other level. Like it was like higher pitched and just kind <laughs> of just slightly more ridiculous. Really? Oh, and right. it was really great. It was just great because Drew is just excited about this fact that he has a brother. And having this old brother thing and the and the things they get into are just great. And I thought this one had a stronger villain than Despicable Me 2, Balthasar Brat. I liked this villain a lot. Who voiced Balthazar Brat, sir? Uh, Trey Parker of South Park. Oh, oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah, interesting choice because uh, I didn't really feel like he brought much to it why they really needed to make a big deal that Trey Parker was the voice. He just kind of did a voice. Probably because his character kind of resembles him a little bit. Oh, does it? Yeah. Oh. I don't know, maybe. And and he's also, obviously, South Park is over for him. So maybe this is maybe this is him moving on. Yeah, maybe. Because, I, I mean, it was just, I mean, he was fine, but it wasn't anything like, boy, it's a good thing they got him. You know, kind of, because with, like, Steve Carell, he just, he's so much, like, from the minute he was Gru, you're like, oh, that was a great choice to be Gru. No one else could be that type of Gru, <laughs> you know? And uh, even Kristen Wiig, I really have enjoyed her her voicing of Lucy and the three girls. I mean, um, it's, it's all been really good. And so uh, Trey Parker was fine. It just wasn't anything like... Nothing to write home about, essentially. Yeah, nothing like real, like memorable or like, oh, it's I'm so glad it was him or something. Because um, that is where Benjamin Bright, Bright, Benjamin Bratt, um, him voicing the villain in the second one was pretty great. Benjamin Bratt, 
Which is funny now that I think about it. Benjamin Bratt voiced the villain in the second movie, and the villain in the third movie is named Balthazar Bratt. That is interesting. I just realized that too myself. Yeah, that's weird. Anyway, uh, yeah, and so there, there's kind of this aspect of this this villain who's stuck in the 80s because he was a child actor who thought the show he was on was real. <laughs> really? That's well, his... That's he, his motivation. He wants it to be real, or he's kind of this kid villain on the TV show, and so he tries to make it a reality. And so you kind of have this whole aspect to it. Um, but the the problem I think I had with Despicable Me Three would be that I didn't feel like this whole brother brother time and villain thing always totally meshed together. Uh. It kind of ended up working out, and so that's where you can forgive it, but it didn't always kind of mesh together. I think why it worked, ended up working in this type of movie, is that this Despicable Me world has always been kind of a Looney Tunes world, where thing people get blown up and they walk away just with, like, <laughs> you know, sooty, sooty faces, you know, like... Yes. Or, yes. like, you get smashed by a boulder and you accordion away like Wile E. Coyote. That's this Despicable Me world they've created. The minions are always blowing each other up, but they're never killed. You know, and so I think when you have a universe that already has those types of rules to it, <laughs> you're kind of maybe a little more forgiving with those aspects of storytelling. And uh, and so, I mean, it was still still fun. Um, it's just going to probably take a few more viewings to really know where I put it on the pantheon of <laughs> Despicable Me movies. So... Uh, but yeah, that was that, that was a that was a fun movie. Once again, not necessarily a movie theater movie, um, but uh, but it was definitely uh, definitely a fun watch. Uh, d- worth it for Drew. <laughs> I really liked uh, the the brother the adding of the brother to the whole family dynamic thing. So another thing that was weird is I felt like they didn't quite know what to do with the daughters in this movie, and so they weren't quite as crucial as they have been in the past yeah it might be smarter i was wondering how they were going to handle that too to maybe just kind of leave them behind yeah and they weren't like left behind but they definitely weren't as crucial to anything as they have been in the past too Mm -hmm. i mean obviously the first one they're very crucial he adopts them and that's the whole end of the story but uh not so much this one but it was still it was still all it was still all good but yeah, so those are the two that uh, that I saw that Dakota didn't see that I that I give uh, both uh, solid movies. Um, nothing spectacular, but you know, solid family movies. So if you had to rate them, how would you rate them, sir? Oof, that's a good question. I guess I would give Cars Cars Three a B minus, and Despicable Me Three. A B. Really? Mm. Yeah, they're kind of in that, like, B range. They're not, like, terrible, like, CD movies, you know, or anything, but they're just... They're kind of both in that area where they're not spectacular and they're just not poor, you know. Ah, so entertaining, at least. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're both both fun, and I don't regret seeing them. Well, that's good. So, yep. I feel like you have enough regrets when it comes to movies. I have regrets. Yes. This is where he launches into, if you would see the things I have seen. (laughs) 
just stare off. <laughs> no, 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 no. I've never, never done anything quite that atrocious, I guess, but definitely have regrets. But Dakota, there is a movie that you got to see that it was one of those movies that that I kept trying to see and it kept <laughs> it kept eluding me, and and then I thought I was gonna go and then I didn't quite get there and then it was gone, and so. That's pretty heartbreaking, man, because it, it was the movie of the summer. Uh, I would still argue that it was War for the Planet of the Apes so far for me. So I haven't seen Dunkirk yet, though. I don't know if that's going to do it. Oh, man. Who knows? But, was... Okay, so we now have word, ladies and gentlemen, that this is Dakota's movie of the summer. Yes. <laughs> movie of the summer, Dakota Gray. All right, what is it, Dakota. I am referring to the very excellent Wonder Woman. You very, have... I thought it was just called Wonder Woman. Are they doing that spectacular, <laughs> ultimate, amazing? No. The no, very no, no, wonderful no. Wonder No, no, of course not. You don't have to for this one. You just need the Wonder Woman. The Wonder Woman. I'm kidding. There's no the. But anyway, for those of you, those small few living in Afghanistan who don't have access to a theater... Yes, Wonder Woman came out, blew the world away. Um, last I checked, it had surpassed, I believe, Batman v Superman in box office numbers, <laughs> which is no small feat, mind you. Um, it actually, and the day it happened, so many memes, so many Batman, <laughs> Superman. Wonder Woman memes, uh, I could not what stop would we, laughing. What would we do without memes? I'm just going to throw that out there. I love memes. Yeah, they essentially sum up a whole scenario in just one little they, picture. The world is summed up in memes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but uh, story-wise, this movie starts on the island of Themyscira, which is home to the Amazons. Say that three times. Amazons, the Amazons from Greek, Greek mythology. Not Greek mythology. Greek mythology. <laughs> uh, it's on this uh, this lonely island of women. lonely island. Are they this, in this movie too? On this lonely <laughs> island of uh, incredibly masculine, well cut women, is a lone child. The child named Diana. The movie starts off kind of interesting. It uh, um, starts off with kind of a bedtime story. Diana asked to know the story of um, how men were created, the gods, uh, kind of the the fall of man, essentially, I guess you could call it, where man turns upon man, starts killing his brother, and uh, forcing his sister on the street corner. I don't know. There's a whole complicated story. Uh, something about Ares turning against the other gods, killing of said other gods. Zeus apparently takes him out in like this movie murder, sounds great. Murder suicide, murder suicide amongst the gods. And I'm sitting here like, why couldn't we just see this play out? Like, I suppose it is they're aiming this kid, this movie at children, as opposed to Batman v Superman, where it was like only adults will see this and love it. But yeah, uh, shortly after that, we see Diana through the years training to be a warrior. Um, eventually, we get her. I'm assuming she's twenty, twenty-ish by the time by the time she is an adult. But she's actually one of the best uh, the best warriors on Amaz 
on the mascara. I almost said Amazon, which would be ridiculous. But anyway. Did they sponsor this movie, Amazon? No. That would have been a good hookup. I know, right? <laughs> no te- no technology on uh, the mascara, true. though. No so. technology, and then it's like World War One. so. Yeah. <laughs> But that leads me into the segue of Steve Trevor. He crash lands in the ocean right outside the mascara. Diana witnesses plane goes down. He is saved by her in what I'm assuming was test footage for the Aquaman movie. Because there's this really cool scene where she dives off a cliff, lands in the water, and then swims several miles out to sea to pluck Steve Trevor from his plane. She brings him ashore. Uh, Unbeknownst to Wonder Woman, though, he's being trailed by a German ship full of German soldiers. They land on the island. A really, really interesting battle occurs with the Amazons wielding bows and spears against the Germans and their guns. The Germans are soundly defeated. And... Steve Trevor's brought before the Amazons and asked to explain himself. Uh, That's when the Amazons learn that the entire world is tearing itself apart in this giant war. And he explains to them that a particular German general, played by Danny Houston, uh, I'm trying to remember his name, uh, Ludendorff, (laughs) very German-sounding name, (laughs) Like, what's the most German name we can get that kind of sounds like Lederhosen? <laughs> Ludendorff, <laughs> we come to find out, has, with the help of this scarred female scientist, created this gas that is capable of killing someone, even if they're wearing a gas mask. And he has to be let go so he can go home, tell his superiors about this. Uh, he's denied. Essentially, they decide to just hold him prisoner on the island. Uh, Diana, sensing that there's more going on out in the world, uh, knowing the power that Ares, yes, the Ares, the true god of war, uh, the power he has on man, uh, knows that this war has to be a result of him. So she makes the choice to leave the island with Steve Trevor to go hunt him down and kill him, thinking once he's dead, the world will turn to peace. Um, now, are you gonna? Are you telling us too much of the movie here? No, this is all within the first. This this story zips along, man. <laughs> it zips along like a breakneck pace. Breakneck pace. They go to London. Uh, some shenanigans are had. Some violence. Some diplomacy, and they eventually make it to the front where we see uh, Diana in this really kind of regal, almost awe-inspiring moment, step onto no man's land, which I found it odd. A woman was stepping into no man's land, and she races to the other side as German soldiers are gunning her down. Uh, She's able to deflect the bullets. She makes it to the other side and just proceeds... To kick every German butt she sees. Why she stops, I don't know. Pretty sure she could have just made it to Berlin, smacked 
the Kaiser around and like, we're ending this war now. It would have really changed history if she would have done that. And then the Kaiser would have been like, okay, Hogan. <laughs> oh, it'd be, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, to kind of celebrate the breaking through of the lines, there's a party in this French town. There's some wine, some implied lovemaking, and they continue on on their mission to find the supposed Ares and put an end to him. It's at this point in time where I'm just going to stop telling you what happens. I'll just say that they do eventually find Ludendorff and all hell breaks loose. But that's as far as I'm going to go explaining what happens in the movie. I really think that if you're a fan of these big summer action movie spectacles, you should probably have seen this movie. If not, I really got to ask why. This movie had everything in it without making every, any any scene feel out of place, without contradicting itself. It was so solid. Every single moment in this film was necessary. It told you something that you needed to know or something happened in it to only make the story that much better. I was really reminded of the Christopher Reeve Superman movie by this. Just Gal Gadot is so amazing. She's charming. She's funny. She's fierce. Just completely blown away. I was amazed that they finally, finally captured the spirit of Wonder Woman. God knows it took way, way too long. This is after how many Batman and Superman have come and gone. We finally got the Wonder Woman we deserve. And I just honestly really loved this movie. And I'm saying love like I mean it. Because you saw it twice, right? Yes. Theaters? I want to go see it a third time, but I, uh, the girlfriend shut me down. <laughs> it was a dark day, fans. It was a dark day. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, that that is some serious hype praise. Now, now we're... Yeah, what do you think caused this one to be the lightning in a bottle in this DC abyss of trouble? Like, um, I, I mean, obviously it seems like what I'm hearing from a lot of people is that Gal Gadot or Gal Gadot, just, she worked. She plays the part so well that that helps. Well, I think it was the strength of her and the director, really, that pulled through on this one and it really makes you ask where did patty jenkins come from i yeah i was thinking the same thing and it's like it also made me realize that when when she was originally hired on to work on the second thor she was going to make the second thor movie and then that fell through because of creative differences it does make you wonder what she could have done there because at that point i was like why did they pick her she made that weird serial killer prostitute movie you know that Charlize Theron was in that's really all she was ever known for he's referring to monster yeah where did this where did this uh director of this such a highly praised comic book where did this come from it's just kind of amazing because it's not like she's fresh and new or something I mean it's just like it just must be like this experience mixed with she just understood the story she needed to tell maybe it's just the fact that she understood the story 
Yeah, and I really got to give her praise because Wonder Woman, Joss Whedon, the quote-unquote fanboy feminist, uh, his script for Wonder Woman, his Wonder Woman, he was released like a month before this came out, and I had read little snippets of it, and it was freaking horrible. (laughs) It was god-awful. It had themes that shouldn't be in a Wonder Woman movie, themes that the creator of Wonder Woman movie, who had some interesting um, uh, sideline activities, might (laughs) approve of, um, but that I don't think they should be in a Wonder Woman movie, and it's just Patty Jenkins just really brought the heat, and I'm going to say this, and I'm kind of betraying myself here because uh, I am kind of a fan of Zack Snyder. I think this movie benefited from him and David Goyer having absolutely nothing to do with it. No say, <laughs> no say whatsoever. Um, that's that's their thing. They get these movies and they're like, we got to go dark. This movie has to take place at night. Um, Even though it's Superman. <laughs> yeah, I... It has to be, you know, we can't, no bright colors, no bright colors, everything has to be, and the city has to look like crap, and it has to be raining, and it's it's just, thankfully, we finally got some lifeblood in the DC EU, and I'm really hoping Justice League doesn't kind of take things back. Yeah, where do you, yeah, that's kind of the question now, is where does that leave the Justice League? Um, There is a theory kicking online. Um, not that it's long a ago. Very good place to get theories from. Not that long ago, David. Sorry, I almost said David Goyer. Zack Snyder took down Justice League pictures uh, from his Twitter account, and people are kind of implying that he is officially out of the loop. Like it's, he's done. He's just having no say so what to do with the movie. Um, that it's essentially being recrafted because I guess reshoots are being done right now as we speak. Pretty heavy reshoots. Too. Yeah. And Joss Whedon is apparently behind him. So it is a little scary considering this movie comes out in November. But the trailer they released at Comic-Con did kind of have like a Wonder Woman uh, set piece where you show it shows her taking down these bad guys dressed in black suits. So it kind of leaves you wondering maybe that was influenced by the movie Wonder Woman. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. And maybe we'll. Well, and it's funny, too, because here you have big, biggest Warner Brother icon, biggest Warner Brother DC icon taking on biggest Warner Brother DC icon in Batman v Superman. And a lot of people's highlight of that movie was Wonder Woman. Yeah, it and was. So it is it is interesting. Um <laughs> just in how all this is going to play out. So they're kind of committed now, so we'll just have to see what happens. Yeah, so, there's there's no going back. And uh and I think I it's really cool that one of the first real big female superhero movies of this kind of modern comic book movie age worked so well. It's cool to hear. So um just because everybody's there, there's either like this fear of making a female superhero movie, or just the fact that you, if you don't get the right 
actress it can come across wrong and things like that and it sounds like they found um apparently the right the right right woman to do it yeah and to and the right woman director apparently to to pull it off and so yeah uh it's uh all these things that i keep hearing are just making me more and more curious uh uh to to see it and and see what it's like and and I thought it was interesting how Chris Pine was very excited to jump on board in this movie and be the damsel in distress, you know, kind yeah. of the, and uh, that's interesting, too, where he thought, hey, this could be really fun and special. I want to be a part of this, too. And so that that's interesting, too, that he he was willing to do that where he's in a place where he wouldn't have to, but he must have saw something special, too. So, because he was kind of on the short list for Green Lantern, wasn't he? Yeah. And so it kind of shows you, like, he, he apparently saw something special here that he wanted to be a part of. So, but, well, that's that's uh, that's cool to hear. And those are, those are just three other movies we wanted to touch on. Um, obviously, one of those was one of, one of the hits of summer, or in a lot of people's arguably the biggest hit of the summer, Wonder Woman. It was one of those we touched on. So, yeah, uh, Cars 3, Despicable Me 3, Wonder Woman 1. <laughs> of these two threes and then and then the first one. Just want to touch on those two and, and let you know kind of our thoughts on those. Just other ones that we didn't get a chance to both see and, and do a full review of. But, well, we thank you for listening to this uh, little movie recap episode. And uh, we thank you for just listening to any or all of our episodes as you as you all have been it's it's very nice to see and we appreciate it and hope you continue to do so and that you like us on facebook and twitter uh, subscribe to us on youtube or itunes or do all of those things just greatly appreciated and we try to put little things on those places besides just uh, new episode stuff so we thank you for that and with that we're going to close this episode Thanks for listening. This is Steven. This is Dakota. Have a great, great day.